You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we come to you once again for another episode on Nip Tuck. We are in the fifth season, the tenth episode of the fifth season. This one is called Magda and Jeff. Uh, this is an episode, I believe, that uh, Nick might have referenced uh, some time ago, and actually, I thought it was a sixth season episode, but it's a fifth season episode. Here you go. Um, first aired the 22nd of January, 2008. It was written by Hank Chilton, directed by Craig Zisk, and uh, it's certainly an interesting one, which I'm looking forward to talking about today. My name is Ben, and I'm the filthiest piece of ass you've ever had. <laughs> and uh, I'm Nick, and uh, I've got the gate to hell between my legs. Uh, not the first time you've told me that. Um, now, I, I don't know if you mentioned it on air or was it you having a conversation on the off air, but I remember you asked me the question about, uh, is there an episode with sort of like an older lady and a younger person that just won't die? Uh, here's your episode, Nick. Um, that's kind of Magda and Jeff, but, uh, also known as probably the final ever Gina appearance episode, I guess we could probably look at more so, and the first appearance of Colleen. So there's a bit actually happening in this episode. Yeah, I guess it's one of those kind of changing of the guard episodes, you know, where you've got one of your, your kind of um, antagonists kind of going out in this episode and, and another one coming in. So, yeah, I think it, it sets up um, some dynamics for where we're going uh, for, you know, the next little bit, the next few episodes as we go forwards. Um, yeah, and I, I do like this kind of, this patient storyline. I think it's quite funny, but, you know, um, it's also quite a little bit sad too. So, um, it's probably something I um, enjoy the most about this episode is getting back into one that's got a, um, a patient story that I really enjoy. Because uh, yeah, we've they've been a little bit few and far between, if I'm being honest, in recent recent episodes. So it's it's nice to be back it, there. It feels a very nip tucky, I guess, kind of the way it's sort of got this twist. And you know, we we talked about this a few episodes ago. I feel um, in the Christmas one uh, where essentially it kind of. It was. It came about where it just didn't make sense, kind of this twist that they always try and do. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I like this sort of twist that they do with these uh, characters. It, it definitely is a fun little twist on it. And uh, we meet them essentially straight away. Uh, we meet our titular characters, Magda and Jeff. Little old lady, Magda and uh, Jeff, have been married for 21 years. Um, and essentially she's there to get some hair put on him because, uh, he went through all this hair removal in the eighties when it was a thing. And now all of a sudden it's back in fashion and, uh, he wants a bit of hair on him, which is kind of interesting actually. 2008, I mean, really 10 years later, here we are in 2018, where kind of hair does sort of, uh, still is the rage, I guess, especially facial hair and things like that. So it's kind of interesting. Is this the start of it? Is this kind of just gradually taking 10 years to sort of be a thing? But, um, she falls asleep. And, uh, Jeff kind of speaks up and says that, uh, she sort of discovered him as a young kid. He thought she was going to die and he was going to be entitled to a lot of money from her. Um, and essentially she just won't die. And, uh, he's given up a lot to wait for her to die to get a nice little payout at the end. Uh, she wants to have sex with him six to eight times a day. Holy crap. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting setup, uh, kind of as we've alluded to a few times now, I, I really sort of like this, uh, patient storyline. I'm with you. I think it's a, it's a unique one and it's a fun one. Oh, I do wonder why she gets a credit in, in terms of being the patient though. Um, is this kind of a first that we've actually had a, somebody who doesn't kind of go under the knife at all? She's just there. Um, and why, why she gets a, her name in the title is interesting. I mean, it's one of those, just those little things that doesn't really matter, but, um, I did find that quite interesting. Um, yeah, it's a fun setup. Um, this guy looks kind of familiar, especially when he gets the moustache later on. Um, I, I don't know what it is. Um, I might need to just do a quick IMDb search at some point while we're talking and see if he does pop out from from anything that I'm I'm a fan of. Um, but he does kind of look a little bit familiar. Yeah, it's a good storyline. Um, I love the fact that she kind of falls asleep halfway through. The, the consult is really funny. Um, and yeah, it, it's funny because you kind of think you know where this might be going um, and it takes a completely different turn as we go along, which is... It's one of those good things, like I like when Niptuck has these kind of little minor twists, I think that that's a lot of fun. So yeah, it's just a bit more lighthearted and not so serious, and um, I think that's where the show really excels, is, is not taking itself too, too seriously, and um, this is a good example of it. Tell me, Nick, how much of a fan of Queer as Folk were you? Uh, maybe that's where you know this actor from. Um. <laughs> uh, no, I've never seen an episode, I must say. Um, yeah, so he's, he's a, a writer's... A Ryan Murphy favourite. Well, well, okay. Uh, well, I mean, he was on another Ryan Murphy show. He was on popular Queer as Folk, not a Ryan Murphy show. Uh, Robert 
Oh, I thought it was. No, no, it's not. Robert Gant is his name, but I mean, he, he, yeah, to me, exactly the same. He had a familiar face. 13 Reasons Why, apparently that looks like it's his most recent sort of, uh, appearance. But, uh, yeah, he was in Popular. Uh, he was the principal in Popular. So, uh, you know, Ryan Murphy kind of alum coming onto his second show here, but just kind of scrolling through it. Doesn't look like he's really been in any other Ryan Murphy shows, but he really is one of these people who has, Appeared in lots of things. He was Zor-El in Supergirl. Um, you know, I don't know if you watch Supergirl. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, look at his IMDb. He's been in everything. So, yeah, he, he definitely right. has one of those faces. I, I agree with you there. Um, a work in it. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I just assumed Queer as Folk Nick, but anyway, obviously not. Um, I watched an episode or two of that in the day. I, I'll admit it. Um, but... Because I didn't actually know what it was. But anyway, that's everyone's excuse, probably. Um, but we go on the set of uh, Hearts and Scalpels again, and apparently Aiden is uh, blind. Uh, he has river blindness, and he's having to do this surgery, uh, which is kind of funny. Um, then we kind of get, you know, a little bit here of uh, Sean and Kate... Uh, this, I believe, is Kate's last appearance. I also believe this is, uh, Freddie's last appearance. Oliver Platt, I think this is his last episode, too. Um, and we find out that Kate's dating a black guy now. That's nice. It kind of came full circle there for her. Good for her. Um, and we also kind of get this, uh, I love um, Aiden as he's walking off with the blind consultant and he's talking to this guy about what? Like, oh, how was I? How was I? And it's like, oh, yeah, no, it sounded really realistic. Yeah, but how did it look? And he's like, I didn't see I was blind. Um, just kind yeah. of that little bit there. It's kind of uh, funny. But uh, we, for the first time, meet Colleen. Um, Colleen Rose, she uh, passes herself off as an agent. Uh, she's been watching Sean and thinks uh, that she could be his uh, agent, essentially. Um, and sort of starts off by talking down Freddy, uh, from saying that he's going to be there the next morning to do some reshoots and, uh, you know, comes across, uh, straight away as being stern and I guess a good agent. Um, we kind of get the first of this very, um, creepy score that we will get with Colleen. Colleen's theme, I don't actually know if it's called that, but that kind of piano that's, uh, going, uh, you know, in the, in the background. So it's kind of, you know, you'll get used to that. And I, I, I just love how it plays with Colleen's character. Cause I kind of said last episode, you know, I, I associate season five a lot with Colleen and, you know, I've always been up and down with her, but I actually kind of really appreciated this time around. And I think it's very interesting watching her knowing what's going to happen with her. So, um, you know, it adds a different element to it. But uh, also kind of in this scene, uh, Eden's here. Uh, she essentially sneaks away with Aiden. And, um, you know, Aiden's going to go off and uh, bed Eden, essentially. But, uh, yes, Colleen is here. A- Eden's here, but it's this is really all about meeting Colleen at this point. Yeah, and I, I think it's good setup. We kind of get a few little um, references to stuff we're going to see later. So um, her um, business card holder is in this little teddy bear, which is obviously going to be quite a big thing for her character. Um, yeah, I think the, the the Eden stuff is a little bit superfluous. I mean, obviously it's going to set set up something for us, but um, it, yeah, because it, it's the only Eden you kind of get for a little while, it's disappointing. I would have liked to have seen more of her, and she kind of drops out of the story just for a couple of episodes here. So um, I'm immediately down on, on this episode because it doesn't feature enough Eden, but uh, there's a whole other story we're talking about. Um, uh, about Colleen here, and I think it's good setup. I think um, you don't necessarily expect that she's going to turn into what she is just from this first scene. I think she comes across reasonably professional, which I think is, um, you know, is quite good because it kind of sets us up for a different expectation of what she is. So, um, yeah, I think good, good setup, good introduction. Um, I'm enjoying what we're getting from her at the moment. Um, I love that she's basically named her agency after herself. Um, you know, if we ever set up an agency, you know, be the you can have the the Ben Waterworth agency or <laughs> have the Nick Chester agency. It works. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we could do it. the Ben yes. and Nick agency. Yeah. Uh, creative Nick yeah. and Ben. I don't know. Um, the thing I keep pronouncing her name is Sharon Glass. It's Sharon Glass. Um, and I think kind of for us, probably a little bit before our time in terms of what she's best known as. Um, she was Cagney and Cagney and Lacey, but um, very. 
esteemed actress who's obviously, you know, been around for a long time and I think kind of her heyday, again, a little bit before you and I were born, Nick. But um, it's funny, actually, as I said a few weeks ago, I don't necessarily read the trivia section on the Nip Tuck page. And I assure you, I'm reading the trivia here. This isn't based on my own knowledge. Uh, but Sharon Gless also was a star on Queer as Folk. So uh, the trivia here, this episode has a mini Queer as Folk reunion. Robert Gant and Sharon Gless, who played Ben Bruckner and Debbie Novotny, respectively, reunite. Even though they don't actually have any scenes together, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think I mentioned uh, when about Oliver Platt being nominated for a um, Best Supporting uh, Actor Emmy for this season, uh, Sharon Gless also nominated, which I think is thoroughly deserved. I think it is, like, as you said, that's a good setup here. And I remember watching this for the first time, and I had no suspicions that she's anything different besides an agent, even though we've kind of got this really creepy music playing every time she's on screen. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just really start to appreciate this character more and more. And uh, Sharon Gless is, a, is amazing. I'm not sure if you're a Cagney and Lacey fan, Nick, uh, at all, or a, a Burn Notice fan. She was uh, big in Burn Notice, I'm seeing here. So uh, she's obviously had a few roles in lots of different shows over the years. Yeah, no, it's um, not something I've ever seen her. But what I will say is that I think she actually looks perfect for this role. Yeah. Um, which is a weird thing to say. But, you know, people, they just feel like they they really embody the character and you can't really imagine anybody else kind of doing that. And I think um, she is just one of those ones that kind of walks in and you just immediately believe, oh, yeah, she's just kind of this this agent who quick, uh, quickly becomes quite creepy and weird and um, she just automatically kind of just feels at home in this character. Like some of them, some characters you get and it feels like it takes a little bit for them to warm into the characters. I mean, I think things like, um, I would suggest that um, Quentin was a little bit like that. It, you know, he, he, he grew into the role, but at the start, I don't think Quentin was not, didn't kind of walk in fully formed. Whereas I think um, Colleen does. She just feels like a natural kind of fit for this role. You don't kind of question her at all. It just feels like a very natural fit for her look and feel of, of the character is, is, is really good. And I'm just reading here on her bio on IMDb, apparently her grandfather was uh, one of the uh, greatest and most powerful entertainment lawyers of Hollywood's golden age, uh, having clients such as Howard Hughes, Cecil, D, Cecil B. DeMille, and uh, Betsy Roosevelt. So um, there you go. As it says here, uh, show business is in Sharon Gless's blood. So uh, there you go. We're definitely learning a little bit about her, and we're going to learn a little bit more about Colleen, uh, clearly, as uh, we go along. Um, and we get some uh, Julia and Christian. Uh, they are in the uh, doctor's office here, and essentially... Uh, it is alluded that uh, she could possibly have HIV or AIDS, uh, and then kind of looks towards Christian and says, hey, I wasn't sick until I started sleeping with you. Um, you know, how many partners have you had uh, in the last few months? Maybe 50, you know, just a slow few months in for Christian. Um, and basically saying that I want you to get tested. I This is just the stuff that drains me, as I kind of said about the Julia Christian stuff. It just, you know, it's just to me, it's just so much revolved around Julia being sick. And, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, how much of this fruitcake is she still eating? Or is this stuff, like, legitimately meant to be within her and one or two doses of it and it's enough to kind of continually make her sick? I, I really don't know. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just there. It's not, not particularly well explained. Yeah, um, I think probably the thing about Julia is that um, we kind of struggle a little bit with this. Um, the best kind of way i can describe it is that the, the julia character and it's not it's nothing about jolly richardson and how she's acting it's just how the character is written is that she's just a fun sponge <laughs> like any time she's on screen she just soaks up all the fun um and it becomes super serious and you know it, it just quite dour and you know when the storyline works for that you know when you're looking at it quite a serious storyline involving julia she works um but when you kind of and I think that's where she probably doesn't work great with Christian in terms of the storyline. I think they, they always act off each other really well. But I think he's like such a, a source of fun in this this whole series. And, you know, it's kind of just dragging him down. And so the mixture's not quite right there. As I think Sean and Julia was more, in, you know, you could build some kind of dramatic tension and, and all that kind of stuff. But with Christian, it kind of, he's the fun one. And it just kind of drags him down to her level. And 
yeah, he becomes less fun as a result. And um, that's kind of what, you know, what a lot of the tension you get in this episode is that, you know, he wants to play up and, and be who he is and he can't because he's with Julia. So uh, it's probably just more evident in this episode because they're actually setting it up that way. But it really is something that you notice about Julia during this, this little run in the storyline. And I agree with that completely. And I think kind of a, a lot of just, um, you know, maybe the subconsciously a few episodes ago when I was just so down on their little, you know, fling that they had, that reunion was, it's just, with them finally getting together, it's just not, you know, it, it just fizzles out, it just kind of disappears and it's just kind of meh, you know, and it's, it is so much revolved around Julia's sickness. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know, I, I just not a fan of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're kind of still going to have Julia being sick ongoing for a few more episodes yet, even though we'll kind of maybe be forgotten about every now and then. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we can say that about a lot of things. But Nip Tark, hello, Annie. Uh, Matt, apparently, he's fine at the moment. Who knows where everyone is at the moment? Connor, gosh. Um, so, yeah, we're back at uh, McNamara Troy. Gina and uh, Christian have a bit of a conversation here. Basically, Christian saying that she's gone from being a slut bitch and uh, she's turning to Miss Moneypenny. Uh, which I think is kind of a nice little James Bond reference because uh, I'm not sure if we've really discussed it too much, uh, but, uh, you know, there's a long sort of winded rumour that Julie McMahon was in an actual shot of being James Bond in the mid-2000s. He was one of uh, a few names sort of whispered around before Daniel Craig uh, ultimately got chosen. Yeah, no, we did. We did? Yeah, we've been going so long now that we you, you actually forget that we did talk about this right at the very beginning. It might even have been episode one there that we had go. quite a long conversation about <laughs> potentially being Bond. And so, yes, we, we have talked about it. Um, and, yeah, I, I often think about that he would have made a really good Bond. Um, you know, that time's come and gone now. He's probably a little bit too old for the role. Oh, but, definitely. yeah, I think he was um, – he, 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 yeah, he would have been really good in that role. I think he's got that kind of suave look. And, um, yeah, probably just somebody that didn't really have the kind of profile that was needed at the time um but yeah maybe a, an opportunity missed there to to have um you know and a second aussie as as a bond but yeah i think he would have been good funny little line there um yes yeah, so it is good which i think we i mean yeah I, I vaguely now remember it we do a few of these episodes so i kind of forget but um you know i think kind of it was interesting in that mid-2000s period around daniel craig that we had julie mcmahon eric banner and uh, hugh jackman all in kind of you know rumors to be james bond so we kind of had three australians potentially that could have lined up for them so um yeah uh, all would have had their unique take on it, uh, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I kind of, I like this sort of scene. The thing, it's, I'm, I'm very bipolar on Gina throughout this episode because it just, it's interesting what they do with her character because we, I think we discussed this last season with her that it kind of, you never expect her to fully change. You always know there's a, a motive for Gina being nice and, you know, she ultimately doesn't really change, but, I just kind of don't understand Gina's motives throughout this episode because she legitimately looks like, for once, she actually has changed. And then um, she's here ultimately saying to Christian about how, you know, um, that you can sort of take a break, uh, that there are other ways. It's not about us having sex with each other. You know, she can help out and, you know, what that's ultimately going to lead to. But it, it kind of all borders down to the fact that Gina's essentially always been in love with Christian, which is... I guess sort of believable, but at the same time, like, I know I'm sort of for forting here, if that's a phrase I can use, uh, about kind of what's going to happen to Gina at the end of this episode. I just, I, I like this episode, but I just, I just don't know how I feel about Gina and ultimately what's going to happen to her very soon. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one because I think I mentioned it in the last episode that um, it really does feel like we've just brought her back to kind of you know kill her off more or less. You know, it's um, it doesn't feel like there was any real big intention behind bringing Gina back, rather than you know other than just kind of finishing a storyline. Um, so yeah, it's it's a tricky one to kind of get your head around. Um, I think a lot of, for me is going to kind of focus on how how it happens at the end of the episode yeah. and my feelings around that. Um, but yeah, I think um, yeah, because I mean, immediately we kind of get the stuff that we really like about her, you know, like the the whole kind of the way she bounces off Christian and these two um, just seem to be really good with the dialogue with each other. Um, that they are just really really fun characters, and um, 
I, I don't want to see the end of that. You know, I, I've never, I've not always been the biggest Gina fan, if I'm being totally honest. But I think, Get off this show. You know, um, the amount. <laughs> well, you know, it's not, it's not that I hate her, but um, I, I just don't think I'm as big a fan of her as you are, and and that's totally cool. You know, I think what I get of her, I, I don't mind, and I wasn't kind of ready for that to end. I don't think, and I don't think anybody was. It's, it, it you know, it just seems like a bit of a waste, I suppose. Yeah, we'll obviously get to that sort of at the end, and I think we'll take a you know bit to eulogise her uh, when we kind of get to that bit. Um, but we get the surgery scene here uh, with Jeff, and we kind of get this weird devilly song. But um, you know, Sean's finally saying we should fire Gina, but then. Christian obviously saying that she's the best receptionist we've ever had. That's not really much of a stretch though, because it seems as they just are all stupid anyway. Um, and then we get, uh, Linda comes in about her, uh, Sean's agent being on the phone. And this is kind of, I guess, that conclusion to a couple of episodes ago of Sean moving out until we, Christian just puts the throwaway line. I thought you weren't moving out anymore. Um, and this ultimately is going to be a meeting with Colleen. We've got Aiden. We've got Freddie. Um, we've got Eden. Is Eden there? I don't think Eden's there actually. Um, and, uh, basically there's a hidden tape that, uh, Eden, oh, somebody filmed, it's never explained who films, I guess it's implied that it's, uh, Colleen, uh, somehow, but, uh, you know, Aiden, uh, having sex with Eden and, uh, I guess ripping shit into, uh, all the executives along the way. Uh, and then premature, I just love the way it's like, I'm not a premature reject, that is about three hours of this tape missing. Uh, <laughs> so it's kind of yeah. bloody. Uh, and this ultimately leads to, um, Freddie, ah, uh, sorry, Aiden being sent off to rehab, and that Sean is going to become the new star of Hearts and Scalpels. So, this apparently is like one of the biggest shows in all of TV at the moment, and this would be like them saying, you're fired, Julian McMahon, Nurse Linda, you are the star of Nip Tuck. So, um, I mean, it's a bit of a stretch, but uh, it's still kind of fun at the same time, because again, at this stage with the Colleen stuff, there's nothing to not believe that she's an agent, you know? It's kind of like she's quite a bit of a hound. She's good. She's managed to get Christian, uh, Sean essentially straight up to the top. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no, she's a good agent. And, and, you know, that's the thing is that we kind of believe this character is, is a really good agent and she's, um, fighting for her, her client with everything she's got. Um, one of the things I kind of forgot to point out a little bit earlier is when they were doing that ridiculous scene at the start of the, the surgery, um, on hearts and scalpels. And I just love how, like, I, I assume it's, it's supposed to be a joke that everybody, like, all the actors are like, oh, you're doing a great job there. That was amazing. And like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to get a little bit of it in the next episode talking about, you know, awards season's coming up and Hearts and Scalpers is going to win all these things. I'm like, in what world is a show winning anything? You know, like, it, it, it must just be like a complete joke. But, yeah, the way they talk about it, it's like it's a major show and, you know, it, it's going to win. Like, it, it's just so funny. And I assume that that's, that's deliberate. It's kind of like a, a bit of a, a comment on, um, you know, the, the quality of, of TV shows in Hollywood, which is, um, you know, a, a little bit kind of self-referential, I suppose, in a way. It's, yeah, it's an interesting kind of discussion to be having, but I have to assume that they're taking the piss here. Um, I could be wrong, but yeah, it does feel like the, the show is so ridiculous and they're all kind of patting each other on the back for how good it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Special note though, just in this scene, a, a nice little cameo here, the, uh, executive Barbara Shapiro played by Marley Matlin. I don't know if you know much about her at all, Nick, but, uh, she's actually Academy Award winner. She won Best Actress, uh, in a leading role back in 1987 for the film Children of a Lesser God. And, uh, I would probably say the most famous deaf actor out there. Um, she legitimately, yeah. uh, is a, is deaf. I've seen her in plenty of other things. Um, so yeah, it's kind of just a random little cameo, but, uh, he's Academy Award winner, uh, Marley Matlin. Uh, just what did she have yeah. like five lines here? Yeah, I, I have to admit that um, in my in my deep shame, the only thing I know her from is uh, the Celebrity Apprentice, um, <laughs> which which is a bit sad. But yes, I do remember her being on that show. But that's about it. Yeah, I think she might have been in uh, Judging Amy. I remember her randomly from that, and uh, yeah, ER. I'm just looking through her things. Here, random things that I remember her from. Was she in Glee? I want to say she was in Glee. Um, Maybe she wasn't in Glee, according to IMDb. But, yeah, Academy Award winner. There you go. Uh, interesting to kind of note there. Is she the first... I know we mentioned that we had um, at least one or two that went on to win Oscars, didn't we? But is she our first Academy Award winner that we've had on the show? Oh, surely not. There must be somebody. like I think of all those guest stars that we've had that somebody has won one. Kathleen Turner um, win an Oscar? Um, maybe? Gosh. 
Sure. Yeah, I don't know. Don't have I don't have the list at, at hand, but um, oh yeah, if it is, then um, that's that's quite impressive that it's taken this long, given that we've had some pretty big names on the show. Looking at Kathleen Turner won a Golden Globe, but apparently not an Oscar. But uh, yeah, we had um, what's the name? The Mrs. Grubman's uh, assistant obviously went on to win an Oscar. Uh, I've got her name now, the actress. Um, oh yes, yeah. But yeah, because um, yeah, I know we've discussed that on on Third Watch a lot. That we've had, I think now two or three actors who have gone on to win Oscars because uh, Helen Mirren was randomly in an episode of Third Watch and um, Viola uh, Davis uh, was in an episode of uh, Third Watch. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting that these people go on to, to win Oscars and have little roles. Um, and, uh, oh, and the other one in Third Watch was, um, oh, yeah, we have had someone on, oh, that went on to win an Oscar. Um, gosh, I've gone blank on his name. Um, oh, he won it for the drumming. He was jo- Jonah Jamison in Spider-Man. Um, oh, yes, of course. You know who I'm talking yep. about. Uh, yes. Yes, I do. He, yep. he was in Third Watch too. Anyway, um, so, yes, we've had a few uh, that have ultimately uh, gone on to uh, to win them. But this might be our first actual Oscar winner. Or did Vanessa Redgrave win an Oscar? Are we putting our esteemed Erica out of... Uh, she did, yes, yes. Uh, Vanessa Redgrave is an Academy Award winner. There you go. <laughs> so, one of our main side characters is an Oscar winner. So, um, sorry, Vanessa Redgrave, we apologise. We knew you'd won an Oscar. Um, just ignore us trying to be completely, um, yeah, uh, ignorant there. Anyway, uh, back to Nip Tuck. Um, so, what do we say here? What do we say? Aiden goes off, yes. Um, and we, uh, oh yeah, we kind of have this scene between, uh, Magda and Jeff again. Um, she sort of comes in and wants to sit on his face. Um, even though he's all happy, he remembers what, um, he looks like now. And she's going to want to watch Weekend at Bernie's, essentially. Um, which, cause why not? Uh, and then we get another hearts and scalpel scene where it's kind of a slight callback to another former surgery we've seen. Uh, this guy's got a tail, but it's, uh, he's saying he's, um, what, uh, possessed by the devil. There's like tremors and power outages. And, um, I love Sean when he's like, this is Los Angeles people. It's a rolling blackout. <laughs> um, and you know, the way they're all like, and a star is born. And, you know, I'm with you. Like in what world is this actually good acting? Um, but, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny and, uh, you know, Sean is going to be a lot more seen of him and, uh, yeah, we ultimately, uh, get a lot of people praising him and, uh, Kate, it ran, it's a random way to close out Kate, I feel. This was somebody who was a fairly major character only, what, like four or five episodes ago and this is her last appearance. Just a couple of lines and, uh, thank you very much for being a nip tuck, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's mainly yeah, more of a colleague. on by guy. Yeah, she's basically getting vomited on by a guy. Yeah. Um, is who, who kind of almost final scene. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you really have anything to kind of add here because I'll kind of cap it there before we get to this weird sex scene. Yeah, no, it's, it's just kind of, yeah, that whole thing of like, this is obviously like, these guys can't see how shit this is. It's, it's very, very strange. But, uh, yeah, I think we, you know, we're kind of just building up that, uh, Colleen's this, you know, an, a bit of an odd character who kind of sits around on set is something that, um, you know, we're probably just starting to get to that, you know, not quite yet, but, you know, it, it's a little bit strange. Um, yeah, but I do love that, you know, that was impressive work. You did great. It's like, okay, if, if you say so. Yeah. Um, we get this kind of really weird sex scene now. Um, Christian's having sex with <laughs> a woman who sort of resembles Gina. To which Gina's watching and basically telling her to say, hey, asshole. And then she wants to kiss Christian and look at Christian in the eyes. And they kind of have this weird sort of staring contest. And basically Christian finishes and then she's just like, I'll see you at work in the morning. Uh, and meanwhile, we kind of cut to Julia puking, Sean leaving. But then she's going to stay with uh, Julia. He's going to stay with Julia. And Christian comes home, catches them asleep with each other. And, um, this is kind of, uh, yeah, a scene between Julia and Christian, just sort of, uh, you know, just weird conflict, which again is just, you know, there. But, um, yeah, I think mainly the real thing to talk about is he's kind of weird and I don't know, is it creepy? Is it weird? Like, how would you describe this sex scene? Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it is totally weird, but, um, you know, that's, that's, 
that's pretty standard for Nip Tuck. This would be weird on another show, but on Nip Tuck, it's pretty much par for the course. So, um, I like Gina's coming about, it's postmodern sex or something like that. It's, yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's total Nip Tuck to me. It just feels like it, this is the kind of thing that would only belong on the show. So yeah, it's, it's weird, but it, it feels pretty fitting, I would say. Um, yeah, no, that's a, that's a pretty good, uh, explanation of it. Um, so we now have, uh, Jeff wanting to leave Magda. Finally, he's going to leave her, but then she basically bribes him by saying, I got your new Bentley. I'm going to give you $500 more a week. Um, you know, you're what keeps me alive. And then I love the line when she says, I'm not going to stay alive forever. And he's like, you promise? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of nice. But my thing is like, which kind of, I feel we needed this scene because, you know, he's sticking around for 21 years just as she'll, you know, cark it and basically he'll get all the cash. And then I always kind of see this and going, would she really leave him the cash? Because she seems to absolutely hate him. So, like, obviously I think we kind of needed this here to sort of have that element so that we do sort of see that he's kind of in it for reasons why we are seeing it. Because otherwise it just would have seemed like, dude, you're getting treated like shit. Is she really going to leave you the money? Yeah, 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 totally. Um, I just want to jump back because I think you might have missed a scene, which is where Julia's sick and Sean comes over. Oh, no, I said that scene. And, um, I said that. I, I lumped it in oh, with the I, other one and I, asked I, you if you had anything to say about that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, I, I missed that comment. Sorry about that. Um, you know, I don't really have much to say about it, so you can continue on. You can, <laughs> if, you, if you're a, um, a, 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 a um, professional, you will edit this out. So I look forward to listening to this when it's still in on a later show. Yeah, no, that's, again, the words professional in this podcast don't go really together. You know, that's, <laughs> and edit. that's why, you know, we didn't get nominated <laughs> for like awards and stuff like that. So, um, there you go. Uh, we, we're not hearts and scalpels, clearly. Um, but <laughs> Colleen and Sean are out at dinner. Um, Sean's obviously late because of, yeah, he was helping out Julia. And this, for some reason, Colleen just got absolutely sloshed. Um, and I kind of like the way she's like, you know, oh, I've got some good news and bad news. You know, the bad news is you got a nude scene next week. But the good news is that, uh, you know, I got you out of it. And what she say? Like, you can keep that scrumptious weenie of yours under wraps. Um, it's, it's kind of the first scene here where we get a bit of like a few cracks showing from Colleen. Um, you know, like, is this, I think the first time she calls him Cookie. Um, and just kind of, you know, a few little things here and there, which we're going to see soon, obviously, with the car trip home. So, um, really our first taste of, uh, you know, something maybe not entirely all good here with Colleen. Yeah, um, and, and I mean, I think one of the things I just wanted to point out from a, a kind of real visual perspective is that um, they always seem to show Colleen in um, real kind of solid colours, like she's either like wearing kind of like all white or all red or, you know, like all black, I think, later on. You know, like it's, it's interesting that they kind of go with that choice. Um, and I think that I, I don't know why they do that, but it's quite effective. Um, yeah, and, you know, she's usually wearing kind of like the big glasses and full of lipstick and, you know, she's got a, a, a real look to her and, um, you know, you, you see that a lot it's something that um is kind of really pointed out on the show um yeah i'm, I'm still not entirely sure why but um yeah I, and yes so this is where we're starting to see the cracks and I'm, I'm glad it doesn't take us long to get there because i think it's um you know it's something that's important to kind of show early um but not beat you over the head so i, I think that it's done in a um kind of like the level that you get it at is about it's pitched at about the right level for me i think yeah and no, i agree and it's it's sort of it's just subtly done as well, you know, you're not really, you're kind of like, oh, okay, she's drunk a little bit, okay, there's not too much to it there, and, you know, maybe when we see this car thing sort of happening, and, you know, again, I remember watching this for the first time, kind of just, you know, okay, what's going on here, but it wasn't sort of a, you know, alarm bells, like something's going on here, so, um, yeah, that's kind of mainly yeah. the next episode, I think. Um, brief little scene here with Magda and Jeff, where uh, Magda's going to town on Jeff, and uh, poor old Jeff, has a seizure and, uh, well, I always thought he dies, but it turns out he's going to turn into a vegetable. So it's a bit of a sad and sort of tragic story, the fact that he's waited around for 21 years and, uh, here he is, um, you know, basically carking it underneath the poor, well, not the poor woman, him. So, uh, yeah, as we kind of said, it's got a unique twist to this storyline, but it's, it's very nip-tuck and I kind of like it. Yeah, I do like it too. I think it's just, it's kind of sad. And, um, you know, whether or not you kind of get into this whole thing about, you know, that he'd married her just for the money, 
um, the fact that he's waited this long, that, you know, they had made kind of a, you know, an informal agreement that, you know, he gave her something for a couple of years and then, you know, in return he would get her money and, you know, so everybody kind of agreed to something and um, she's more than got her, her benefits, whereas he hasn't and, you know, that he's never going to get them, um, that she's actually going to, well, you know, he's, he's not dying, but she's effectively outliving him. Um, is a really sad way for this to end. It's um, you do kind of feel for him, and um, just at the right level, it's not like a tear jerk or anything like that. But it does kind of make you just pause for a minute and feel a bit sad. So I think that yeah, it's, it's just something that um, I, I think it's a good kind of twist on the story. And it's obviously we're going to see Magda one more time. But yeah, it's it's kind of a a sad but almost fitting way for the story to end. I think. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, we get this sort of scene now with uh, Sean taking Colleen home, big massive mansion-looking house, and she sort of uh, basically gets her boobs out. And it's like, what do you think of these boobs? Um, and sort of we hear that her uh, husband left her for an extra on the set of The Young and the Restless, I think. Um, and then she sort of apologises, you know. <laughs> I love how she's like, I'm going to go back to AA tomorrow. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Agents Anonymous or something like that. Uh, you know, do you have a breath mint? And basically he just kicks her out of the car. And then kind of, again, another sort of slight clue here, which, uh, you know, I think the first time I saw this, I didn't really read into it too much, but I think kind of it's obvious now when you sort of watch it, is that she starts walking up the path to this house, and the house, and as soon as Sean drives off, she sort of looks over her shoulders, turns away, and walks the, the different direction, basically implying it's not actually her house. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, a few cracks here and there, but, uh, you know, just great acting here by Sharon Gless. You know, just, uh, I don't know, you really believe her in this scene that she's drunk and a little bit disturbed. Yeah, I think it's um, it, it does really kind of fit the character. Um, it, it's kind of starting to, to give her a few layers that she's, you know, a, a bit unusual that she kind of, and it, it almost feels, you know, and we'll get a lot of this, that, you know, she kind of pushes Sean to see what she can get out of him, and when he kind of, pushes back she then gets quite emotional and she's sorry and things like that which kind of brings him back in it's quite a, a clever manipulation you know this kind of emotional manipulation that she's got going on but um you know she just pushes to see what she can get when he says no she then acts all sad and yeah i, I think that it's it's um pretty clever I, I do enjoy the way that they are presenting this character and, and how she's acting it as well so yeah it's, it's a bit of a surprise package for me i didn't know what to expect from colleen from what i didn't remember much about her and um yeah i i am enjoying what i'm getting so far sean has a variety of uh people really into him this season of all age brackets doesn't he 18 year old through to what like 60 year old so uh you know covering all the bases yeah. here old shawnee uh, 58 she's 58 or something um yeah, she's in her 60s. Come on. Uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean here. But uh, looking at her age uh, on IMDb, she uh, was born in... Ben, thank you if this wants to load this time. Millennium. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you when it loads. Probably sometime soon. 1943, so she would well, have I mean, been was, 65 was... in this episode. So there you go. And that was the line, wasn't it? When she's saying to him, are these the, the, do these, uh, the breasts of somebody who's 58-ish or something like that? Like, yeah. she tries to kind of drop it in that she's late these yeah. Yeah, no, true. Um, so, Gina on the phone, Julia calling up um, and basically leaves a message for Christian to call her. Christian comes along and says, any messages? Asks if Julia called. Gina lies. And then we kind of see Gina over at Julia's house. And this is just, again, where I'm just not understanding this. To me, kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, and this is, again, where I'm just, I just don't know how I feel about what they do here with Gina. Um, and she basically goes over to Julia's house, brings flowers, um, and then essentially, uh, says that, uh, Christian's been cheating on her. I do like the, the little line here to the spa. You know, we're friends, even though your shitty managerial skills single-handedly destroyed the spa I spent my uh, nest egg on. Um, so, okay, uh, good to sort of get a bit more of a reference to that two seasons too late. Um, and, yeah, yeah, it's kind of, we. she lie. Well, does she lie? I mean, it's kind of interesting. She says, ultimately, that, uh, you know, the woman that he's having an affair with is her. Uh, last night, uh, she had his her tongue in his ass. That's a nice little line. Um, and then ultimately leads to Gina leaving and Christian and Julia, which I'm calling this the Christian and Julia breakup scene <laughs> because I don't really think we get too much more of them after this. Um, and sort of Christian shows her the test results. She isn't sick. Well, I mean, she doesn't have, uh, AIDS or HIV 
and um, you know Julie uh, Julie McMahon Christian denies the affair and uh, ultimately sort of calls her out for the fact that she's technically cheating on Olivia. Um, I like the way he kind of like, I'm just going to go off and eat some soup or something like that. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I just, I don't know how I feel about this genius stuff, because to me it's it's acted very well. I kind of like this sort of, this Jessalyn Gilsig, the way she kind of delivers this stuff, where she's got that sort of just smile and smirk on her face the whole time, the way she's doing it. Um, I just don't get what she's ultimately trying to achieve with all of this, but... Um, you know, because she, did she honestly think Christian's going to go back to her? So, yeah, it's a bit strange, but I guess kind of at the end of the day, you know, this is Gina. She just, I guess, isn't necessarily turning into her aggro, aggro, hey, asshole self after not getting away. She's kind of keeping a more manipulative side to herself, but it's interesting. Well, I think there's part of her that doesn't like that, you know, that life's a bit unfair on her and, and you know, that Christian kind of gets gets away with a whole lot or, you know, some other woman gets him and, you know, he seems to get away with a whole lot. So I think she's quite into getting what she thinks she deserves. And so she's kind of half telling the truth and half lying. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I find it hard to kind of buy, or not buy, but I find it kind of hard to really understand what we're supposed to take away from this scene. Other than that, I think she's just the, the catalyst to, yeah, kind of, as you say, things kind of ending officially between Christian and, and Julia and, um, you know, if, if that's what it takes to kind of end that, then I think I'm quite happy. Um, despite the fact that I've, you know, I've I've bought episodes based on seeing these two get together, I'm not enjoying what we're getting now. Um, I hate the kind of Christian passive-aggressive, you know, as you say, the kind of I'm just going to go and warm me up some soup, I guess, you know, like I think this whole passive-aggressive thing, this is just not, this is not the Christian character that I enjoy. So I'm, I'm good. I'm I'm good with that not being a thing anymore, I suppose. And if this kind of weird, awkward scene with maybe some missing information is kind of how we get there, then uh, you know I'm I'm kind of happy for that for that to happen. Ultimately, just a few things here that I'll kind of close it out with because I think we'll talk about the last scene separately and kind of lead that into a bit of a farewell, Gina, because she's maybe our first major character that we full-on say goodbye to if you kind of want to be technical. Um, but uh, we see that Magda's already moved on to Dudley Do-Right and wants him to get surgery, basically. Um, so it's kind of interesting, and we sort of get a bit of a, you know, a line here from her talking about, you know, nothing, you know, don't keep things in the past, trying to move on into the future and kind of, you know, the looks on Christian's face. So kind of our tie-in uh, sort of subject of the episode to relate to the troubles of our main people, of course. Um, back to the set of hearts and scalpels, Colleen handing a smoothie to... Sean and essentially apologising for the night before. Sean's interested in a busty extra. And this is kind of where Sean sort of says to Colleen, like, hey, look, you know, let's keep things professional. You're not my friend. Um, and then he goes off with this uh, extra and we kind of get Colleen, obviously, you know, just a bit upset that uh, here he is off banging a banging an extra. So, um, yeah, just two quick little quick scenes there, I guess, before we get to kind of the, the big conclusion here. Yeah, I think, um, so probably, um, kind of the two of them is, yeah, I do like the kind of lines about, um, um, Jeff that she kind of says, oh, you know, he made his decision, um, you know, and, and ultimately, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make mine as well. And, you know, I think that that's quite interesting is that, you know, it's hard to feel too sorry for this guy that he made a, you know, a calculated risk and it, and it didn't pay off for him. Um, and, you know, it, it's an interesting way of looking at it. You know, you've just got to live your life and make the best decisions you can. Um, so yeah, I mean, this, this Magda character is, is quite an interesting little kind of one episode character. I think maybe one that we can potentially look back at at the end of the season. Probably not going to be our standout, but still quite an interesting story there. Um, she maybe hasn't had a whole lot of competition for these kind of, you know, one episode characters, unfortunately, so far. So yeah, but I think she's a bit of a standout so far. Um, yeah, and, um, you know, obviously with that second scene, um, it, it's a pretty straightforward scene. There isn't too much you, you really need to add to it, other than that I think the look that you get from Colleen right at the end of it is, you know, it's you might expect that, you know, because Sean's a bit of an asshole here too, where he kind of says, and needs to be an asshole, that, you know, kind of putting the line in the sand of, of you know, you shouldn't be hanging around here, an agent, you don't need to be hanging around, um, I'll call you if I need you, um, you can go, and, you know, kind of says to somebody, you know, can you get chuck this drink in the trash or something, you know, it's a pretty nasty way for Sean to act. Um, potentially, you know, so that he is drawing a very clear line. But, um, you know, Colleen's facial reaction isn't one of being absolutely, you know, devastated. It's, you know, she's kind of um, 
you know, amuse Caesar as a bit of a challenge more than anything else. And um, I think that that's interesting because it sets us up for who this character is, that, yeah, she kind of sees an opportunity here to um, to kind of make something of this. Um, yeah, so I, I do really enjoy that facial um, reaction that we get from her right at the end. So it's, it's mainly little stuff, but I think the little stuff is, is going well. Yeah, no, completely agree. So this is a big scene at the end, and I'm just going to say this from the beginning, that I'm sure we're going to have sort of a mixed opinion on this, because, I mean, I think there's good and bad stuff, and it's just interesting, but I still think this has got to be in the conversation for a top five, and maybe just a lock for a top five, just because it ultimately will be the death. Probably our first, I mean, taking Quinton out of the equation, I know that Quinton technically was a major character, because, uh, you know, Bruno Campos was listed as a main cast member on season three, uh, but I'm going to say this is the really the first death of a major character on this show. Um, so this, I think, is pretty much going to be in that five just for that reason alone. And it is a memorable way for a character to go out, I think. But uh, Christian goes to the roof of a unknown building. Is this meant to be McNamara or Troy? I don't actually know where they are. Uh, essentially, Gina's waiting there, yeah. sort of like for dinner, it seems. Uh, Christian's there to serve a restraining order. And Gina's basically saying, look, uh, let's end this the way it started. Uh, the entree is a condom, essentially. Um, and then, basically, she's sort of baiting him into having sex with her. He's kind of not buying it. Then eventually says, gives me the condom. They start having sex. She ultimately admits that she's in love with him. Uh, as they're having sex, she says the line, this is love. And... Like, I remember watching this for the first time, not even realising that they're basically having sex on the ledge. And then this ultimately leads to the glass breaking uh, on this ledge thing. And Gina falls to her death um, in the middle of sex. And we kind of see her screaming, falling, fades to black, and we actually end with the line, this is love. Now, it's... I, I remember watching this live going, holy shit, they just did not do that. Like, they did not just kill Gina off. Um, and ultimately they did. Uh, I will say that... It's an interesting death. I kind of feel it suits the character of Gina to be killed during sex. Uh, That's kind of where I think it definitely sort of has to get some props there. It's a bit out of the blue. Like, you know, I just do not feel you're expecting this to happen. I think they kill her off a season too soon. Like, I'm not too sure if they knew at this point that this uh, would be coming back for one more season or if they knew how many episodes they had to go. So maybe it was just kind of a contingency plan in case five was the last. But, I mean, having said that, you kind of never ultimately feel with this show that it's anywhere near wrapping up at the moment. They're not kind of, like, tying up loose ends or anything. So, I feel you could have done this a season later. But it's just, I mean, I'm indifferent on it. I love Gina. I know I kind of said last season that they're starting to get a little bit tiring kind of with bringing her back, like, what more can you do? But I still feel she could have come back one more time after. She could have found something to do with her, maybe. Um... Do they need to kill her off? Probably, yes. But uh, it's just a weird death. It's a very weird death. Uh, it's nip-tuck. We know they're going to have these outlandish things. But um, again, similar to what I've said so much about Gina in this episode, I just I just don't know how to ultimately feel about it. I don't absolutely hate it. I don't absolutely love it. I'm just kind of just confused as to what I feel with it because it just kind of comes out of nowhere that let's bring Gina back and ultimately we're just going to kill her off. So, um, yeah. I mean, I, I still stand by the fact I think this should be a top five moment for this season, but uh, I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts. And once we have your thoughts, I think we need to sort of just talk a little bit about Gina and kind of eulogise her being on this show. Um, I think I'm very much like you. I'm kind of caught down the middle because I think this is um, quite an important scene for the show in terms of, as you say, it's the, the kind of first um, major death of a character. Um so I think it's really important from that perspective. Um, I, and I think kind of the, the speech that she gives beforehand, I think, is is quite fitting. Um, you know, it, it's good. And I think, you know, I talked about a couple of episodes with the kind of Matt burning himself one that we haven't had enough episodes that kind of end on a bit of a cliffhanger. And so this is another one. And so I'm, I'm not going to be too angry about ending on a cliffhanger because I think that that's a good thing. But um, the way it's done is, I'm going to start using this word probably more as we move forwards. Is you know, all this term is that it, it just feels very soap opera. You know, it's um, the kind of like her screaming and you know, like the the kind of slow motion as she kind of falls backwards. It just it all feels just a bit too ott for me um that kind of this is love a kind of a, a, a bit of a background to that is um you know i used to watch the show with a friend and, and we used to kind of crack up because i remember we'd be like oh you know it was like a flatmate and we'd be like oh you know can can you you know 
can you pass me, you know, like a coffee mug? And they'd be like, as you give it, it's like, here's a coffee mug. This is love. You know, like it just, it's just such a stupid line. Like it just doesn't really, it doesn't fit. It just, yeah, just like, and how she just keeps saying it. It's just like, it's so weird to me. Like it just doesn't feel like the right line. Um, you know, I, I get the meaning behind it, but it just sounds so corny and over the top that you just you can't help but laugh when you hear it. So that feels like it's hit the wrong note. If I'm laughing at this moment, then that's not good. You know, the, the, I'm not. I don't think that's what they were going for. Is, is me laughing? So <laughs> I think that probably kind of sums up where I'm coming along. This is that I like the idea of kind of you know this big this big moment. You know, the, the death of a character, but. Um, I think it's just done in such a hokey way that you, you it just makes it into a, a bit of a comedy scene, which is unfortunate, really, because I would have hoped more for the death of Gina than than you know this kind of comedy moment. And just one final thing I would probably say about that in terms of it might be kind of starting to bleed over into what you were about to talk about, but um, you know Christian's going to have a, a you know kind of life changing storyline in the second half of the season um and you know I, I think you and I are probably going to come down pretty hard on where they take that episode uh, sorry that that storyline yes and um I do wonder if maybe there was a there was a role for Gina in that storyline that she could have she could have been quite an influential part of that storyline and um maybe let's just use that term that we use quite often is let's just bookmark this and come back to that discussion when we kind of get into that storyline a little bit later on i think i see where you're going with that and i think that if you replace a certain someone with gina it's a much better storyline <laughs> so yeah yeah look for a lot I, of reasons i think kind of it's important though with gina like i mean it's interesting that we're in the fifth season of a show and they have not killed anyone, you know, of our main people. Again, we're taking Quinton out of the equation because he was kind of a, a one-season main person. And we realised there was another main cast member in the first season who just kind of was disappeared after one season. But, I mean, you know, who is it really? Escobar is kind of your sort of your most major person who, I guess, was killed off. I mean, Megan, sort of. Uh, but, I mean, you know, she was only in it for, what, like three, four episodes. Um, so I think it's kind of important to really kind of note this and... You know, looking at terms of, you know, amount of episodes that Jessel and Gilsig appeared in, um, of sort of our main cast, uh, you know, 17 episodes in total, which really doesn't sound that much. But I mean, you know, behind ultimately our, our main four, uh, and then, you know, you look at Liz, uh, Roman Mafia was in 96 episodes, Nurse Linda, amazingly in 96 episodes, the same amount as Liz, uh, Kimber ultimately will be in 82 episodes of the show. Annie, uh, Kelsey Battlin, <laughs> uh, she'll be in 36 episodes. And then outside of that, you've got Gina is kind of the next one to go 17 episodes. And only behind Gina is, uh, Bruno Campos, who was in 16 episodes. So, you know, she's in that top 10 most appeared. And, uh, you know, ultimately first appearances in the fifth episode of the first season and, uh, you know, made appearances in every single season. She was listed as main cast, obviously, in season three. Um, but I mean, which is one, I think I said it from the very beginning, one of my ultimate favorite characters in the show, just, uh, you know, from the iconic, hey, asshole, essentially, whenever she comes in and just so good, ultimately delivered Christian a, a kid, essentially, uh, you know, it was fun stuff around that storyline that we kind of had when she was pregnant in the first season, you know, the fight for custody kind of stuff like that. And her and Christian always had great stuff to work off, particularly in those early days. I think, you know, she was kind of a bit bland in those days of the spa, which I'm sure you don't want to really revisit. And then ultimately, we kind of only had one period of her last season with, uh, you know, kidnapping uh, Wilbur, essentially. But, um, yeah, I mean, she always brought it. Jessalyn Gilsig, you know, ultimately from here would go on to sort of be a main person in Glee for at least a couple of seasons where she was Will Schuster's wife, of course. Um, so, you know, went from one Ryan Murphy project to another. But uh, I'm a big fan of hers, probably in my top five characters in the history of Nip Tuck. Uh, and yeah, we will not see her again. I'm just saying this right now. This episode is a farewell for a few people. You know, we're losing Kate, we're losing Freddie, and we're losing Gina. And we're not even going to get her as a, um, we're not going to see anything in terms of nope. a flashback or anything no, like that. No, ghosts, appearances, flashbacks, nothing at all. This is it. Nothing at all from this point on. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I'm definitely not the big fan that you are, but I think she has brought a lot to this show. I think she has, um, you know, been pretty interesting. She's been a good foil for Christian, and I think that that's quite important, you know, is having having somebody that, that um, can bounce off him really well and challenge him and, and piss him off, I think, has is, is been quite important to the show. Um, and, yeah, I have to admit that even though I wasn't a big fan, when I kind of watched this episode, I'm, I am pretty disappointed that this is how he ends for her. It feels like it... 
we could have done more with this, or we, you know, we could have given her at least a, a, a better send off for what we get here. So it's, um, it, it, yeah, it does leave a little bit of a sour taste because of that, because I, I think she deserved better as a character. So, um, big moment, um, potentially not as well delivered as potentially I'd hoped for. Yeah, it's kind of weird to think that, you know, we're still a season and a half really away from the end of the show, but, you know, we're starting to at least say farewell to one main person, obviously, and we won't really say goodbye to anyone major, really, until season six now. So, um, you know, I mean, we've, we've mentioned about Jolly Richardson, really, that she doesn't make that many appearances moving forward. But, uh, you know, she's still going to be there right up to the final episode. So she's kind of going to be there. And, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to, to think about that, sort of, that this is sort of the, the first major one and really the last major one that we're kind of ever going to get. So, uh, well, until next season, I should say. Uh, but, yeah, so what, this is the point where I think as we get to the end of the episode and we give our rating. Uh, you're coming in the back of this after two bins it and three rents it. You haven't bought one in a while, Nick. Uh, dare I ask what you're going to do with this one? No pressure. Um, that's a really tricky one for me because there's a lot to like about this episode. Like there is a lot to like about, um, and you know, I think we get this big moment, whether you like it or not, it is a big moment and it's a memorable moment. And, you know, I always talk about that. I think basically my, my kind of, um, real baseline criteria is that does this move the, the plot forward and is it entertaining? Um, if it's both, then it's a buy. If it's one, it's a it's a rent. And if it's neither, it's a bin. Um, if I'm going to use that kind of criteria here, I guess to me, I'm entertained, which is something that I haven't been on the show all the time in season five. So we're definitely moving it out of out of the bin category. So it's definitely going to be one of those top two. Um, does it move the story forwards? Um, you know, I think it probably does because you get all that stuff that is around. Um, you know, around Colleen. Um, so, you know, I think I've got problems with this episode. Um, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm marking on a bit of a sliding scale again. We're on the, you know, this is how we're rating, you know, season five as opposed to some of those earlier seasons. But, um, I think I'm going to give this the very, very, very most mild of buys, which is kind of surprising me. Uh, But I, I, you know, I think there is just some, some great setup stuff here. And I think, yeah, I kind of think is is this one that you kind of need to watch um, if you know if you're doing a quick skim and you just want to catch the important episodes of the show. I think this is one you kind of have to watch because of the Gina stuff, because of the introduction of Colleen. Um, I think it's one you have to watch, and while you're watching it, you're not going to be you're not going to be bored. I don't think so. I think that you know it's not a knock it out of the park one, but I think there's enough in this to make it a buy. So. Mm, a, a lot of thinking going on there, but um, I'm, I'm just going to slide it in there just. That's what she said. Um, I think that, um, <laughs> I yeah, I think the story advancement, if you're buying on that category, then it's like the Colleen stuff is incredibly important because really what happens for the rest of season five with Sean is all based on him meeting this character. Um, you know, right into the end of this sort of mid streak in a few episodes time. And then what's going to happen in the second half with everything to do with Sean, uh, and even sort of some early stuff into season six. So if he doesn't meet Colleen, none of that happens. So, uh, to me, that's incredibly important. Gina stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think kind of the, the advancement is that we lose Gina and she's been a fairly staple part of this show. So, um, I, I think this episode to me is easily a buy just also on the fact too, that I think kind of it also, it's a long time since we've had sort of a really entertaining, just one-off patient episode. And I think kind of the Magna and Jeff stuff is fun. Um, and I think kind of it's solid in the fact that we sort of get so much stuff, kind of, you know, your Gina stuff, your main patient stuff, and uh, your Colleen stuff. And, you know, Julia and Sean, Christian stuff aside in this episode, I think kind of it is, you know, it's a solid episode. So I'm buying this one. I'm putting this at number 35 uh, out of 70 episodes. So it's exactly on the halfway point. Um, right now. So, uh, there you go. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think this is a, a, a strong enough buy for me. So, um, I still am yet to rank, uh, still yet to have three rents in a row. There's a random little stat for people at home. I'm sure they're wondering that. Um, so after two rents in a row, I'm back to the buy. Uh, next week we, are on to Kyle Ainge, I think it's pronounced. Uh, Aang, uh, essentially we get a bit of, uh, cannibalism going on, uh, we get a very interesting Gina funeral, uh, and we get 
look, I'm going to say this. I think there's a scene in the next episode that, to me, I'm going to fight for it being in the top five at the end of this season because I think, as I pointed out, that this season has so many scenes that just are memorable for the reason that they're just so over-the-top outlandish and crazy that, to me, they're memorable for the fact they need to be in the top five. And it's one creepy scene. I watched this for the first time going, what the hell just happened? And it was one of these ones that I kind of had to rewind it. And it is, like, I don't want to use the word haunting again, but it is creepy. It's maybe one of the creepiest things we've ever had happen in Nip Tuck, what happens in the next episode. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting one to talk about. Yeah, yeah, I definitely know the the scene you're talking about, and yes, and creepy, creepy sums it up pretty well. Um, yes, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think there's some interesting. There is a very um, clear biting theme in this yeah. next episode. There's there's more than one situation where biting is is a thing. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's another kind of crazy episode with some kind of weird stuff going on, but um, it's uh, it's it's likable, and um, it'd be interesting to see just how likable. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to unpacking all the stuff that's in that one as well. Yes, indeed. In the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. You can subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and uh, always leave us some feedback. We definitely would appreciate hearing what you think of the show. Until next week, my name is Ben, and zip it, you're ruining my Tom Selleck fantasy. <laughs> and uh, I'm Nick, and uh-oh, we've got a bleeder. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.